All right, I am I'm staying silent during your part. What do you mean my part? Julian Pensalali. <laughs> Patrick Hines. Da da da. Ooh. <laughs> we found our common ground. Oh, yes. Am I allowed to do that part with you? I mean, yeah, we'll work on it. We'll workshop it on this podcast. <laughs> Before we get to the show, we have to tell the we just have to remind the people about our Patreon. Yeah. You guys, we are knee deep in cereal. Oh my god. And like amazing people supporting our Patreon. I know, you guys. It's we are so happy. I hope that you guys are enjoying the extended outtakes. We're having so much fun just like riffing on oh everything. Oh my god. And Your I, Leah Remini is like it, I, I'm obsessed with it. It's one word. <laughs> we do it again. Scientology? <laughs> That's all it is. It's one word. <laughs> Yeah, so in addition to the extended outtakes, we've got our serial episodes. We're up to serial episode three, which will be up this week. Uh-huh. We're recording it today. It is... this Episode sir. three, Leakin Park, is a doozy. You Mr. guys, this is the one with Mr. S. I totally forgot about Mr. S. I, listen, I think about Mr. S all the time. You think about a lot of people in this case all the time. <laughs> so anyway, uh, other than that, we've got two other full bonus episodes. We've got so many mini episodes. Um, we're having a blast. I hope you guys come and join us. Yeah. Uh, Jillian and I are also making another podcast, my so-called <gasps> podcast, you guys. Oh, my God. It's about my so-called life. It is so much fun. It is. The episode that we're working on right now, this is not the episode that will be out by the time this episode is out, but right now I'm editing episode six um, about, it's called The Substitute. You Vic guys, Ray scene. I started editing this the other day, and I had to text Jillian and be like, this is the most joyful we've ever been in recording anything. Like, this episode is, we loved this episode. And it is so contained. And yeah. it's, it's rare when there's, like, a big guest star in a series. Totally. That, like, that's one of the best episodes. It's a spoiler alert, you guys. It's Roger Reese. Like, we're upset. Like, I'm obsessed with him. He wears two different color socks. It causes <laughs> a thing. It's amazing. So you can find my so-called podcast wherever you get your podcasts. You can stream it at my so-called podcast.todaytix.com. Check it out and like support our other show. It's super fun and yeah. it's just the best. And we're going to CrimeCon, girl. Yes. We're going on a vacation together <laughs> to, Nashville. to Nashville. You guys, I have 1,500 true crime obsessed Frisbees that we are giving away at CrimeCon. You know what? I... <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll like believe in the frisbees when I see the reaction to them. I am just along for this frisbee ride with you. But uh, you guys, we are surrounded by boxes. We are. We have so much stuff that we are shipping today to CrimeCon. And we made postcards and it's going to be fun. So if you're not going to be there, we're, we will miss you dearly. But yeah. I am going to be like all over our social media. Yes. True Crime Obsessed Podcast. I'm going to be doing like Instagram lives and Insta stories and all the stuff the cool kids do. Totally. I'm going to be using like stickers and emoji. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> Don't miss it. All right. Should we get to the show? Yeah. Let's do it. Girl, what are we talking about today? Fantastic lies. Ugh. Are you ready to side with like the preppy, not so derpy, but kind of derpy Duke lacrosse players? <laughs> Who knew? It, this was hard for me because it's impossible to look at these kids and not see their privilege and not see their douchiness and not see like, you know what I mean? Like, right. It's hard. Like these are boys that I would not have liked. And here's the thing. Like they've done a lot of questionable douchey asshole yeah. things in their lives. Totally. Rape uh, is... They did not rape this woman. No. It's just, it's yeah. just, you can dislike them for many things. Spoiler alert, guys. They didn't do it. Yeah. So this is like the Duke rape scandal. Yeah. Remember? Which I like stupidly, how, this is the terrible world we live in, that when Mike told me about this movie, I was like, wait, which one is the Duke? <laughs> because everything is awful. And I was like, oh, right, 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 right. That one. <laughs> like, God. Hi, I'm just a 
Duke's entire lacrosse team under the microscope on the alleged multiple rape. It was white over black. It was male over female. It was rich over poor. We come here today because justice has not been served. All of the people at the party were Duke lacrosse players. The state of misogyny that's present among some members of this team. I got a phone call and I just said to him, when you need me, Kyle, I'll be down there. And he said, I need you. Why was it so difficult to understand what happened that night? It just felt like everyone versus us. To see your son in handcuffs was horrific. No one deserves to be assaulted, raped, abused. There were a lot of questions to be asked, but questions needed to be asked on both sides. Well, it starts with everyone just talking about how great the Duke lacrosse team is. It's like seven minutes of just praise for the (laughs) lacrosse team and Duke sports. And everyone's like, Duke is more than just basketball. I'm like, oh, they have a basketball team too. (laughs) Outside of basketball at Duke, lacrosse was among the most important sports played on the campus. Lacrosse players were the cool kids. Good looking, big, they were tough and they were cocky. Ultra-aggressive, ultra-focused. It's golf culture with an attitude. They were very popular athletes. Uh, Their attendance at parties was a big deal. They ran as a pack, and they were there together at almost everything they did. So it's the, you know, head coach Mike Pressler, he was like this god, and just like, really? I gotta say the thing about Mike Pressler, the coach, like, he he just ends up being such a good guy. I know. I was like, I don't know Friday Night Lights, but I was like, I feel like the theme to Friday Night Lights should be playing every time he's on. He's totally that, what is the Friday Night Lights theme? Are you kidding me? (laughs) (laughs) Kyle Chandler, Coach Taylor, I'm, And what's the, what does he always say? Clear eyes, full hearts can't lose. I just almost broke this table. What are you nuts? You're not a Friday Night Lights person. No, that's a sports TV show. Why would I watch that? Look, it's about football in Texas. Who are you talking to? I was like, I'm not watching this filth. And guess what? It's the greatest show ever. I'm going to play the Friday Night Lights music every time we mention him. But now we're just talking about like how the Duke culture is super snobby. And it was like Duke was the campus and then Durham North Carolina they could not have been more different they're like two different two different cities they don't often interact there's a lot of friction that occurs in 2006 Durham was a city in search of an identity it was trying to shake off some of the small town small city feel and grow often when you heard of Durham you heard of the crime or racial tension or poverty. Durham was on the cusp of either moving forward and becoming a city that's progressive, intelligent, thought-provoking, or it was going to continue to be a second-class city in North Carolina. All right, so now we just start to meet Take us through it. Well, we make our way to beautiful Buchanan Boulevard, (laughs) and it's an off-campus apartment, and uh, they're like rental, they're like houses, really. Yeah. I'm used to saying apartment, but not everyone lives in an apartment. Um, (laughs) So it's like rental- I want to call the games shows. Like, I just- I I know. I don't even know how to talk about- I don't don't have the vocabulary to talk about sports. They're at sports rehearsal. (laughs) 
Um, so it's like college students were mixed with locals. It's so weird. Which is just a terrible idea. Um, like, why wouldn't you want to live on the beautiful Duke campus? Oh, because there's like too much supervision. But also, why would you as a local want to live on like the street with the lacrosse team? I know. And I think it must have been one of those things where it's like, we came here first. Right. We're the locals. We're not moving for anyone. And it's probably super cheap. Super cheap. Well, Jason Bissy uh, is hey one of the girl. neighbors. Hey, I girl. love her. Jason Bissy <laughs> is like this cute, skinny, nerdy kid who does not get invited to the party. <laughs> and he realized very quickly that, like, you get what you pay for. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't socialize with them. Um, they weren't necessarily my kind of people. You know, definitely partiers. And the lacrosse team had a reputation, I think, on campus as being a, a an ad hoc fraternity, essentially, and um, had a reputation for throwing uh, for throwing really good parties and um, their parties always seem to be pretty well attended they weren't my kind of people <laughs> they were definitely partiers sure it was definitely your choice not to go to the parties jason. right jason <laughs> I'm like, sweetheart you know, yeah whatever but jason is kind of, jason is a major player in this jason has some information i that know we'll he got get a long form interview i know um but basically the lacrosse team was a frat yeah. they're like the, the you guys they're like a lacrosse team i don't know what to tell like that's just what right. they are they're oh like, god it's my worst nightmare eventually we see a picture of their bathroom oh i can't we're doing a whole separate podcast series about why a bunch of men equal a disgusting disgusting bathroom with no toilet paper um, now let's we have to get to like what right, happened let's do it so march 13th 2006 yeah it was, it was spring, spring break. break no one else on campus it was a ghost town a couple of us got together and all rode over to the house together and we i think i was there you know late afternoon kind of going into the night they throw this party. Yeah. When you see pictures of this party and you just see these like disgusting like 30 like college age white kids. There were sitting- 40 of them. Oh my God. It's just so awful looking. So what they did was they hired two strippers. Their word. I know. Dancers. <laughs> I know. But that's what they said. It's in all the statements. They hired. This is how it's like. You guys are not very smart or know like the worth of anyone's time. Yeah. So they like Googled stripper, like local strippers. <laughs> Which should be harder to find, I feel like. Oh, I think it's like super easy to oh, find. Oh, God. You can, like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, so they ordered two strippers. Again, their words. I know they're dancers, but I'm just saying what they said. They ordered strippers. They ordered two strippers for two hours at $400 per stripper. There's now a Patrick-sized hole in the door. I've gone to become a stripper. That is the most insane $400 per stripper? I know. Dancer? <laughs> That's an insane amount of money. Anyway. So what happens is that, like, for whatever reason, we, we will find out because it's what this documentary is about, the, the girls end up leaving after five minutes. Right. And I, one of the boys says, and the guys were naturally upset. When they stopped, a lot of, there was a lot of confusion in the room. You know, the guys thought that we might have been hustled when they said they were leaving. We paid $800 and they were there for five minutes. And naturally, guys got upset. Look, $800 for two hours is a lot of money. Five yeah. minutes? Like, what and the hell? one of them is talking about how, like, they feel like they they feel like they got hustled. They've it's like, hustled. boys, guys, you ordered strippers. You, you thought this was going to be, like, a normal trip. It's not like getting I mean, a pizza. right. So, <laughs> then there are just photos. There are so many photos of... 
the girls dancing. <laughs> yeah, it's very like um and like this is also the derpiest part of it too. It's like these girls are quote dancing and these boys are just sitting around in a circle barely paying attention. That's what happens though. Like if yeah. you really think about it, if dudes are at a bachelor party and they're like, let's call a stripper, everyone is watching yeah. the exotic dancer do her thing and grind on you, and you're all together. Right. <laughs> like that's what that is. Yeah. And I it feels like no one in that room had ever had that experience before. Right. And you can see in the photos that like it's just weird for everybody. Right. Like none of the guys look threatening. They're all just half of them are like on their phones. Totally. Like no one everyone's like, oh, this is so not what I thought it was gonna be. Yeah. And like it, the girls are are like when I say dancing, the photos are like they're kind of like falling all over each other. <laughs> like it's weird. And then there's a photo of one one of the dancers who we learn is Crystal Mangum. Yeah. She has one platform shoe on. <laughs> She's barely dressed. Yeah. And she's like, you could tell she's stumbling outside, but she's like smiling. But she's then hammered. A, there's another picture of her lying down on the porch. Right. So here's my question. Who took that picture and why? I think the guys did to say, look, we got hustled by these girls. They were too hammered to do anything. They left after five minutes. Because in the statement, one of them said they were so high they couldn't stand up. Right. Yeah, 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 so yeah, yeah. So that's the, that's the number one. The red flag number one where it's like if these guys. Also, can you please get her a glass of water also? I know. Can we do two things at can once? Take a please, picture and get a glass of water? I mean, my God. Yeah. And clean that goddamn bathroom <laughs> while you're at it. <laughs> Maybe there's no water in this house. Maybe that's the answer to all that, of this. Right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think that's what they were doing. They were kind of maybe, I don't know if covering their own asses or they were going to call like the stripper company. So Crystal's in a cab or something. We hear the 911 call. Where's emergency? Hi, I don't know if this is an emergency or not necessarily. I'm just so angry I didn't know who to call. <laughs> and then we don't hear any of the rest of it. Right. But we do hear from... People like lawyers and and people at the hospital who said like Crystal Mangum, she was behaving consistently with somebody who had just been attacked. She was not speaking coherently. She's asked, you know, have you been the victim of a sexual assault? She said yes. She had sustained a half hour long sexual and physical attack involving three of the Duke lacrosse players in a bathroom in that house. And that's kind of all anyone needed. Yeah. Because then it was like, the entire Duke lacrosse team sexually assaulted this girl. Where is the second dancer? Yeah. We never hear from her again. Her face is blurred out in the photos. She's gone. Big red flag number two. Right. That the other girl is not like, and I was here too, and it was awful. Like, yeah. what? I do want to point out that I'm on the side of, like, believing the victim. You know what I yes. mean? Like, I, I'm okay with this girl saying she was sexually assaulted. And in the the experience of all of these professionals who deal with people who have been sexually assaulted all the time, saying that she appeared as though she had been sexually assaulted, fine. Then, like, then go with it. Then let's investigate. Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. There was no investigation. No. <laughs> Everyone handled this so Poorly, from Duke to the players to the press, yeah, to everyone to the district attorney who we'll get to. Everything, everything handled. Everything was handled wrong. Right. So now it's three days after the party. The cops show up to the house, <laughs> and Dave Evans had been taking a nap. <laughs> that was all in caps. Dave Evans is the captain of the lacrosse team. It's super hard being able to do whatever you want. He was napping. 
It's exhausting. All this white privilege is exhausting. I know. I have to run up and down that stage, <laughs> field, whatever. Uh, I woke up from a nap to 10 police officers in my living room with a search warrant. I went through every part of it. It was scary. I gave my statement. So his statement, they don't say any of this out loud. So you guys, once again, I typed it out for you. Yeah, this is, a, this is written for, oh, also, Jillian's talking about his handwritten statement. Yeah. He literally writes like a fourth grader. They all do. Yeah. All men do. Right. <laughs> Still to this day, when I see a man's handwriting, I'm like, really is that handwriting? Really? Yeah. Okay, good for you. You're the exception. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Dave Evans' statement. One of the players called for a stripper off of a search he did on Google. He ordered two strippers for two hours at $400 per stripper. Oh, my God. The black girl. No. Couldn't talk or stand up straight. She was so high. So basically, there was a black dancer who was Crystal, African-American dancer, and uh, a Latina dancer who, again, she's the second dancer. We don't know where she is, who she is. We don't know her name. It's insane that nobody even mentions her. Like, we didn't want to get the one corroborating witness. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And then he says that the two girls were in the bathroom with the door locked alone. And then Dave says, I kept being asked, do we get the money back because we got hustled? (laughs) They'd only stripped for maybe five minutes. I said no, but would gladly pay to have them leave. Yeah. Dave, girl. Dave. (laughs) Dave. Okay. So Crystal's statement yeah. is that she arrived at the party at 11.20 p.m. There are going to be some times, you guys, but we're going to get to it because it's one of my favorite scenes in all of it's any documentary. Yeah, 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 yeah. And when we get to the times. So just like pay attention or not to the times. Yeah, yeah, have a drink, but whatever. It's fine. Uh, she arrived at the party at 11.20. She says that the boys threatened to assault them with broomsticks, which is horrifying. Uh, she said that the boys were all screaming. They were going to do horrible things, calling her the N-word. Just really, really terrible stuff. Horrible. And that they had sex with her for two minutes. And that's her statement. So, as you were saying, everyone handles this horrendously. horrendously. Right from the beginning, the, the, we, we hear from one of the parents that... All the moms look incredible, by the way. I mean... I mean, it's really amazing. Gorgeous. I know. Money can buy you class, you guys. You guys. <laughs> so, beautiful. we hear from one of the moms that... Uh, right from the beginning, Duke had had the kids keep it hush hush. They weren't they weren't supposed to tell anybody, including their parents. That is horrifying. Duke had told everyone, "Don't tell your parents. Don't tell anyone." They had kept it very hush hush, from President Broadhead down, that this was going to go away. Everyone didn't think anything happened, and not to worry. So they were sending eighteen year olds and twenty one year olds, and putting them in a position to try to make decisions. That could be life-changing without speaking to anyone. Let's see. Richard Broadhead, the president of Duke. Ma'am. We're coming for you. Yeah. Turning this car right around. <laughs> he and, like, a couple of other people told all of the Duke lacrosse players, don't tell anybody. Keep your mouth shut. This is totally going to blow over. Didn't ask them anything. Didn't say, no, no, no. We're totally, we're going to... Uh, cooperate entirely. If you guys didn't do this, then right. there's nothing to hide. Yeah. They did the opposite. They didn't even tell leading administrators for another 10 days. So this is where we meet 12-year-old Bradley Bannon. <laughs> He's... Miss <laughs> Bannon is one of the um, uh, the uh, attorneys who, like, totally saves the day in the end. 
You guys stay tuned for a Legally Blonde <laughs> moment at the end. But this, like, George Stepanopoulos looking like, literally like a, he's literally, remember, like, Liz Lemon's lawyer? Yes. And, you know how he would look like a 12-year-old and he was wearing this suit that was enormous? Yes. This is exactly what he looks like. And he's smarter than all of us put together. You guys, guy. go to the Facebook group. I'm going to find a picture of Liz Lemon's lawyer and I'm going to put it in the Facebook group. Yeah. And this guy, I love Bradley Bannon. So, girl, we yeah. say this with total love. Totally. But, and he's a defense attorney for one of the boys. And he's just like, look. Any criminal defense lawyer who is being honest with you will tell you that most people who are accused of crimes are guilty. I've had absolutely no problem believing that rich, white, elite young men would take advantage of a young African-American woman that they had hired to come and perform for them. So here's what happened. Uh, More people who handle this totally poorly the police <laughs> ben hyman and mark gottlieb they were assigned to the case the fucking garbage there's bell. no bell how have we let it go on we've been recording for 25 minutes i'm getting the bell okay. hang on all right oh my god all right so i'm just gonna say their names again so yeah. i can ding them yeah uh so the police ben hyman and mark gottlieb oh it feels good so welcome back bell yes mm, i miss you you look you look stunning just beautiful um, they're the police assigned to the case, and uh, one of the lawyers is like, oh, yeah, Gottlieb really got the ball rolling on this one pretty quick. <laughs> so what they do is they they bring in the entire team, the entire lacrosse team for DNA tests. Yeah. Because they're all like, it's all in the DNA, right? Which, right. you know, I'm an evidence person. We'll get there. Yeah. So this is when the kids start calling their parents. Right. Colin gave us a call and said... There's been some allegations made. Everyone on the team is going in to give their DNA. You might see or hear something. And all the parents are like, I'm sorry, what? They like put down their gin rickies. <laughs> and because the like the maid like brought them the phone on the silver platter. And they're like, honey, we just got a call from Reed. Something is is afoot. <laughs> So, I like your rich person talk. Oh, thanks. Oh, my. I know. These parents have been through hell. It's like, drink all the gin rickies, girl. Gin fizz. Um, <laughs> Anything else? I just feel like it's a very gin-heavy world, right? <laughs> um, so the, the boys are calling and literally saying things like, you might see something in the press. I just have to give my DNA yeah. because I've been accused of rape. But I didn't do it. But yeah, it might come out somewhere. And the parents are like, What? Is happening. I know. And the thing about them giving this DNA, the the press gets wind that these boys are go, are being called in to give DNA, and they send a reporter. When the a lawyer Bob Ekstrand, who was representing the players, saw the our reporter was there, told the players to cover up. The lawyer for the for Duke right. are like, boys, cover your faces. This is such an iconic photo. I know. And God, they. Could not look guiltier. Right. Yeah, true. They're all walking in a straight line. Yeah. It looks like they're just going to, I don't know what it looks like, but right. it, we, it's weird that they're all walking in a line. Like and they're all not of them have together. their like, shirts pulled up over their heads. And you can see, you, like their heads are down, their hands are at their sides. It's yeah. like they look like a guilty march. It's yeah. horrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's yet another person who just <laughs> gave them really, really bad advice. So now the media, and right now it's just like local media. Right. And they're, like, showing up at practice because nothing is happening. But it's like these boys have been accused. No charges have been pressed yet. Yeah. Um, but everyone on Duke is like, I'm sorry. At Duke is like, I'm sorry. What is – why are they still at, even at practice? Why right, is nothing happening? Because these boys were literally 
they were convicted the second the allegation was made. Exactly. And so we, but then like you have all of these really well-meaning people. Now the woman is an African American woman, mm-hmm. like, and so you have a lot of African American pre- professors on the university talking about how like we know that these lacrosse boys are bad citizens. He says, yeah. Factually, we know that this men's lacrosse team has been bad in its citizenship. Professor Baker calls for the dismissal of the team's coach and a complete overhaul of the program. He cites past arrests of 15 members of the lacrosse team for drunken behavior as proof the university has overlooked this problem before. So they've been tolerated. They felt entitled. They are a privileged group of white male athletes. And these kids get away with murder. Right. And yeah, again... It's like another thing of just when when you're good at sports, like right. you, everyone looks the other way, and it's like boys will be boys, and blah blah blah. blah and blah. it's good for the university, and you know, right. And on the university side, they're like they haven't been charged with anything yet. Why would we make them stop playing? And then on the other side, you have people being like, well, everything should come to a screeching halt. You still have to acknowledge it and investigate. Like, exactly, it's still, things still need to be done. I can't believe my university has not spoken to this. I'm I'm shocked and appalled that. There are still varsity letters on these athletes. Ideas of whether scholarships need to be revoked or or people need to be pressured to come out and answer the situation is definitely a matter of great concern. Well, enter Mike Nifong, (laughs) who for some reason, like, keeps saying that no one can pronounce his name. My last name is frequently mispronounced. I have been called uh, Nifong, 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 um... (laughs) Uh, there, there are many other things that I don't even want to repeat for you, but the way we pronounce it, the way my family has always pronounced it is Nifong. Girl, my last name is Pensavali. Don't tell me that you have so much trouble with your name. I hate you. So when we meet him, uh, he like... <laughs> He worked in the DA's office. He's got, like, a ton of experience, 300 felony cases. And everyone's coming out and saying, you know what? Like, he's totally reasonable to deal with. Like, he'll, he'll give, he'll share witnesses. And I'm like, that's what you're supposed to do. Don't right. act like right. that's, like, totally. he gets a medal. That's what you do. <laughs> um, and then he he's, was, like, appointed as the DA. But he was, like, an in, he was a placeholder DA. Right. He was not supposed to keep that job. People were counseling him, Mike, give somebody else this case. You don't need this right now. Something had happened, and he, he, he knew that. I don't think that uh, this is an incident of underage drinking that escalated and got out of hand. I think this is something much different from that. Durham District Attorney Mike Nifong has put this gang rape case on the fast track. So then part of the outrage in the community is this woman, Ruth Sheehan. So she's a journalist. Yeah. And she, she's one of the first ones to like really seriously cover the case. And by covering the case, she just said she writes this op ed like to the lacrosse players. And she's like, we know, you know, we know, we yeah. know, you know, we know, you know, we know. <laughs> it's like Ruth. <laughs> so I wrote this first column that really touched a nerve with people asking the members of the lacrosse team who were present in the house to actually say what happened. Members of the Duke men's lacrosse team, you know. We know you know. Whatever happened in the bathroom at the stripper party gone terribly, terribly bad, you know who was involved. Every one of you does. And one of you needs to come forward and tell the police. 
do you know? Like, what do you know? Right. Like, what does anyone know at this point? Really? Like, right. Okay. But like, she was just emblematic of like how the story was being covered. Like the everyone in the press. My God, you see a million clips of Nancy Grace going berserk, pulling her fucking I hair know, out. I know. <laughs> yeah, and they knew like once the New York Times called, like that was just like the floodgates yeah. open. And there's that one journalist who's like, it was white over black. It was male over female. It was rich over poor. It was educated over uneducated. My God, all the things that we know happen in the world coming together in one place. And, you know, journalists, they start to quiver with a thrill when something like this happens. Quiver at the thrill of, I was like, oh, my God, you're totally quivering right now. I'm not. Did you say quiver? Like, quiver at the thrill. Um, and then, like, Mike Nifong goes on this basic, like, press tour. He does, like, a junket. Joining us now from Durham, North Carolina, is the district attorney there, Michael Nifong. Mike Nifong is the district attorney in Durham, North Carolina. Mr. Nifong, good morning. Good morning, Renee. All of the people at the party were Duke lacrosse players. Has the lacrosse team and the university, for that matter, been fully cooperative in, in terms of uh, this investigation? Well, the lacrosse team clearly has not been fully cooperative. So at the same time as, like, Nifong is doing this press tour, good, good on you, girl. Great. Like, the, one of the moms has basically, like, moved, one of the moms of the accused kids mm-hmm. has, like, basically moved down and is, like, on the camera. So she's witnessing everything that's happening, and she's saying that the tensions are so high that it's about to, like, boil over. Every day it was getting ramped up. It was like you were just waiting for something to explode because it was like a little more lighter fluid on the fire, a little more lighter fluid, a little more lighter fluid. Tensions were so high, you just didn't know what was going to happen. Right. You know, at this point, Crystal has said there were three boys who were in the assault. And at this point, there are no accused kids. It's the entire lacrosse team. Right. And there are three of them, but we don't know who. Exactly. So, like, we're seeing these, like, these images of, like, the protests. At one point, there's literally a jug band. I mean, it is out of control. Um, so now it's 12 days after the party, and Duke is finally like, shit. Yeah. We should probably say something, right? No one has said anything. Like, Duke has not said anything. Yeah. So it's, in order to do that, they cancel, like, the big game against Georgetown, which is, to these kids, like a nightmare. They told us that this was, uh, this was punishment for an ill-advised party. They were going to cancel this game and one other game, and there would be no further punishments unless there were charges brought. Okay, so things are starting to get real because people, I don't know if you can understand why, but they were a little annoyed that they only just got two games canceled. Like, everyone who's been protesting is like, oh, wait, they got two games canceled because of the party, not because of anything else about assault. It's like national news. Right. So it's, again, Duke, like, just learn how to handle a situation, please. So the parents are like, okay, this is getting super real. Yeah. They all call lawyers. I started doing more diligence, talking to other lawyers. We were advised we needed to get in-state North Carolina attorneys and that you could not show up in a North Carolina courtroom with New York attorneys. Real quick, Mike Nifong is now, he is um, running for re-election. So now this case, like it always does, has yeah. a political thing. So now he has to win this case. You guys remember that. We'll get back so, to that. So, and the, the thing that's important about that is that he, like, the, it's pointed out to us that Durham vo- votes on co- color lines. Mm-hmm. And that, like, he's a white man, but he's now t- coming to the defense of this black woman. So the idea is that this will ingratiate him into the African-American community in Durham. So this is a very good thing for him to be championing her. Right. And he can't hear anything else about the case. These three 
white kids did it. We don't even know their names. We don't even know who they are. Right. But they did it, goddammit. And he's going to get it. So now, 23 days after the party, and then my notes say, that stupid email. (laughs) The person who does communications at this university came into my office. He came bounding through the door. And that's where I first read this email. You know, and I have to say, when I read it, I was sickened. I found it repulsive. The email was sent like two hours after the party or like an hour after the party March was over. March 14th, 1.58 a.m. Like literally Crystal had just left. Right. So so the press gets this email, right? And yeah. everyone reads it in its entirety on the yeah. air. <laughs> to whom it may concern, tomorrow night after tonight's show, I've decided to have some strippers over. All are welcome. However, there will be no nudity. I plan on killing the bitches as soon as they walk in and proceeding to cut their skin off. And everyone goes berserk. And then the, the college goes berserk. Everyone goes crazy. Just minutes ago, we learned that one of the players has been suspended after writing a sick and twisted email. Six foot six star defenseman Ryan McFadden. So everyone's like, how could they not be guilty? But it's also like, wait, this is a total sociopath, psychopath, insane person. If, yeah. that, if that's a real, like what? It just doesn't make any sense. Here's why. It's from the movie American Psycho. <laughs> it didn't take very long to recognize that quote. It was a very popular movie when it came out. Lots of jokes had been built from some of the quotes from that movie. This was a private email sent to just a lacrosse team in a private group. It was a joke. It, it was bad judgment. Bad timing in hindsight. And these guys, in like a rare moment of self-awareness, are like, oh, American Psycho is about these completely like unself-aware rich white guys in Manhattan. We're just like them. Right. So we're going to pretend that we are them. Right. And we're just going to – and they're like responding as the characters. It's it's totally fucking crazy. Right. So they're just like, you know, uh, someone bring a smock. I'll bring the Phil Collins. Right. Like that scene where Patrick Bateman kills Jared Leto and there's yeah. Phil Collins and he's wearing a smock. Like that's what it is. Can we take one second and talk about the American Psycho musical? Sure, I know I, you loved it. I loved it. Did you see it? I didn't see it. Oh my god, you guys! Palette cleanser today, totally from American Psycho the musical. Are you okay with that? I'm. I vote for Legally Blonde. <laughs> I'll, I'll go on my Legally Blonde tirade when we get there. We've done a Legally Blonde palette. Cleanser. I know that's why we can. But yeah. it is such a Legally Blonde. It's moment. totally good. Okay, but you guys, American Psycho the musical. Look it up. My one of my favorite theater actresses, Helena York, is in it. It's the music. Alice Ripley. The whole thing is so gay and amazing and crazy and eighties and, and like eighties and like business cards and they're writing to each other as. Though they're the characters from the movie. But what's insane is that the minute I saw that, I was like, they didn't do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah. Which is such a mindfuck. And it's also one of those, like, crazy press moments where, like, the, the the emails get printed in the press, but no one ever then follows up and is like, no, you guys, it's from American Psycho. Right, and no one, like, I mean, I guess it's, I don't know, the hindsight is twenty twenty, but it, yeah. no one thought to think, like, this is so insane, maybe there's more to it. Right. No one tried to Nobody say, like... Nobody wants it to be that, though. Everybody exactly, wants it to be crazy. Exactly. No one's like, whoa, wait, why are they suddenly talking about Phil Collins what does this have to do with anything like no one did that because they were like oh this is perfect yeah totally they're sadistic crazy people amazing we got it so after this stupid email comes out the rest of the lacrosse season is canceled. Mike Pressler is out as coach, and there's this like super. Everyone's crying about it. This and is that scene that should be super hot, where all the guys are half naked and they're hugging him in the in the locker room. Right, and it's super sad. Right, everything I'm, fell apart. It's probably the most emotional day of my life. Pressler decides to gather the players. He said, "Our darkest day is upon us." And it was hard. It was hard on all of them because then they kind of lost the captain of the ship. So this is the beginning of now people just actively not wanting to hear it. 
like any truth or anything right. at all. Um, so a bunch of lawyers for the kids now, because again, you guys, no one has been charged. Right. We don't know who did this. It's just the lacrosse team. And we know that it's three. Well, we know that, that Crystal is saying it was three boys. Right. But nobody knows who. And like any day, can you imagine living no. that life where it's like any day I could be accused of this horrible, horrible thing? Right. That's, what, that's how they lived. And yeah. then their lacrosse season was canceled, which means nothing to anybody except for them. But it was important to them. So just let them have it. <laughs> So a bunch of lawyers go to Mike <laughs> Nifong to say, like, we have evidence to prove that this didn't happen. We tried to convince him that we had a story to tell ourselves. Mr. Nifong put his hands over his ears and said, I don't want to hear it. He literally put his hands over his ears. <laughs> Can you hear it? <laughs> Take those hands off your ears, Mike Nifong, you piece of shit. Because he's like... No, like, I have to be reelected. I have to do this. I can't hear it. But that, like, think about what that means. That he's like, I'm going to railroad these three kids because it it works out better for For me. me. So what he does is he calls for DNA testing. Right. So this girl, Crystal, has been sexually assaulted. So there would be DNA evidence. Right. Big question tonight is when will the DNA evidence come in? If there is physical evidence, if there is DNA of some of the guys on her body or under her fingernails that were retrieved at the crime scene, ripped off, it's going to be pretty difficult for the guys to suggest that she consented, which is probably the only possible defense if there is DNA present. Well, there is no DNA from anyone at the party on, in, or around Crystal. Right. So you would think, <laughs> okay, Nifong, who's all about the DNA, and me, who's like, okay, where's the DNA? And then, like, he just decides to change his narrative. We were led to believe by Nifong that DNA would exonerate the innocent. And when we got this result back, he would know who was guilty and who was innocent. Nifong decided at that time that he would switch his strategy. So I do want to say that we do get the point is made that you can be raped and there's not any DNA evidence. Absolutely. You know, if they use an object or something horrible, I hate even talking about I know. it. But, or a condom. Like, right. As simple it is as that. possible to like, so that is a possibility. Sure. But So Nifong doesn't take that route. He, like you said, he just changes his strategy. Right. There were three photographic lineups that were presented to Crystal Mangum. Each one of them violated the Durham Police Department's rules about photo lineups and photo identifications. Mark Gottlieb and Nifong, they put together photos. It was only the lacrosse players. Basically, they, they told her at the beginning, these are all the white players on the Duke lacrosse team. Pick three. This is such fucking garbage. <laughs> Here's what they do to Crystal. They just show her pictures, and all it is, it's, it's like the lookbook of the <laughs> lacrosse team. It's only players of the lacrosse team, so she can't be wrong. Right. No matter who she picks, it's on the lacrosse team. Right. I cannot tell you, like, what, <laughs> just how fucked that is. I know, and it's crazy because you see the video. Of, like, you watch her look at these pictures. Somehow they got this video. He's the guy who assaulted me. How sure are you of that? What percentage? 100 percent. He looks like one of the guys who assaulted me. How sure are you of that? 100 percent. You're 100 percent sure. Yes. Okay. They literally said to her, "Here's the entire lacrosse team. Pick three. Yeah. And so she actually doesn't even. She picks two. Right. So she picked, which I don't even know how that happened. Right. I guess. And she was like, oh, I don't know. Because at one point she's like, that kind of looks like the guy. Right. And the cops are like, great. 
Book them. Yeah. Like, what? Oh, my God. This is horrible. Yeah. This is fucking horrible. So then, like, here's who she picks. She picks Colin Finnerty and Reed Seligman. Yes. These are the two so far. Yeah. So, uh, Colin Finnerty, also eight years old. Oh, my God. I don't God. know how he got into Duke. Right. He's just a really tall eight-year-old. <laughs> but he has such a baby face. He's scrawny. It's like, how are you even on the lacrosse team and in college? You're yeah, seven. I know. Uh, and Reed, who's like a bigger dude. Um, so, then it's 35 days after the party. They're brought in. They're processed. There were charges for which you could not get probation. There were charges for which you had to go to prison. 20, 30 or, or years or more prison sentences. As, as teenagers. These kids are terrified. So now we're back to the DNA. And so Nifong's narrative was like, oh, there were three boys, but only two, whatever. So Nifong's like, you know what? I'm going to redo the DNA in a different lab. Mike Nifong was not going to walk away from this case until he had charged three people. He hired DNA security, which was a private lab, to do additional testing to see if they could identify DNA that the state crime lab had not found effectively going behind the state crime lab, doing the same kinds of tests on the same kinds of evidence. Wouldn't you know it? There's another person. Can you believe it? So what are the odds? Here's what they found. They It took me a while to figure out what they were talking about. You know that filthy, disgusting bathroom that those boys used in their house? When are we going to get into that? <laughs> I'm dying Well, now to we're going to get into oh, it great. because they found on a clipping of one of her fake nails. Ew, it's so gross. It's so gross. I hate fake nails. Like, I'm, I don't like it. What would Leah Remedy say? I'd say Leah, and hers are pointy. <laughs> It's so it's very strange. How do you get anything done? I don't know. She has a staff for that. That's as true. She said. That's true. So they find a little tiny bit of DNA of this guy Dave Evans. It's a partial sample from his own bathroom. Right from his own filthy, filthy bathroom. I can't, I don't even want to think about the types of DNA that's in that bathroom. <laughs> you guys, the picture. We're gonna post a picture of this. Let me just say what the bathroom is because if I don't, you guys, she's covering her eyes. I can't. I like need every. You know, misery loves company. I like need you guys all to be in this with me. I I know. <laughs> I don't understand the photo. So it's a photo, and the, the photo is taken from the doorway because you know whoever was in there was like, I don't have to take, I don't have to actually step in this bathroom, right? Like that person just came from a crime scene where he was scraping brains off the ground, but he yeah. was not going into this bathroom. And he's leaned back like, as far as possible, and he just has the camera in, like, oh, that because that's it's a weird angle, right? <laughs> He was not in that bathroom. He or she, they were not in that bathroom. So what it is is, first of all, the first thing your eye goes to is that there's no toilet paper. (laughs) No, there's like... There's like a a ripped strand of toilet paper. It's like a toilet paper roll that's empty. Oh, it's so gross. And then you look like... And then it's like you just keep noticing things and you're like, wait, what? But what about the what? And there's like a Sharpie all over Over the the walls. And it's just... They just... But it's like a line. Oh, it's like, you know how people sometimes in their bathroom, they have like one black tile yeah. that goes like all yeah, around yeah, 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 like yeah, that yeah. border. Totally. It's that only it's like two feet long and Sharpie. It's that's like faded. Marker. It's like literally like somebody just got hammered and went in there with a Sharpie and was coloring. It's like Daisy did it. Men, why? I know. Why, what is it that when you're all together, this is what happens? So here's the thing. So they find a partial match from his own disgusting bathroom, which is covered in stupid, ugly, ridiculous DNA. He should go disgusting. to jail for the bathroom. It's horrible. For this. It's yeah. horrible. But it's like a, on her fake nail that was also in, in the garbage. Right. That is ridiculous. Right. Like, if you go, it's like going to my apartment and being like, Jillian, your DNA's here. It's like, I know, I shed. <laughs> like, what? Like, shocking. But they bring him in. They, right. ar- they arrest him. He's the third guy. That's it. That's it. That's all they need. So he has this press conference. He is so composed. 
He's not reading it at all. He's yeah. making eye contact with everyone and the television. And he's just saying, like... First, I want to say that I'm absolutely innocent of all the charges that have been brought against me today. That Reed Seligman and Colin Fernie are innocent of all the charges that were brought against them. When the police first came to my home, I fully cooperated and have continued to try to cooperate with them. When they entered in and started to read the search warrant, my roommates and I helped them find evidence for almost an hour and told them that if they had any questions, we would gladly answer them to show that nothing happened that night. I'd like to say thank you to my friends and family, my coach, and members of the community who have stood by us through everything from the initial weeks to now. Their support has given me the strength to come through this, but the thing that gives me the most strength is knowing that I have the truth behind me, and it will not phase me. And then he says... Every member of the Duke University lacrosse team is innocent. You have all been told some fantastic lies. Come on! I know. And, like, just to paint a picture, he's, like, his his team is surrounding him. Right. His parents are behind him. Yeah. You can see his parents are so proud of him. I was bawling yeah. watching this press conference. And then, like, then we just hear from other people who are, like... Before that, they were jocks. They were privileged people who went to a privileged school, who were always protected, who were racist... It was a very poignant moment. Dave's speech changed a lot of people's minds. Okay, so now this is this is the shit I live for. This is why I love true crime documentaries. When there's the moment of like, oh my god, oh my god, oh yeah. my god, yeah, yeah. Okay, so now the the defense teams of the three boys have. Be- it's like a super a super squad, a super team of lawyers because yeah. all the three boys now their teams are are collaborating. And they're, yeah, they're getting together. They're helping each other. And their parents are like, "You're going to be on every phone call. Yeah. You're going to be on everything." The parents are like, "This shit ends now. We are turning this insane corrupt <laughs> car around. Like this is not. This is just not going to happen yeah. to you. It's just yeah. not." So. Enter Jim Cooney, Hero <laughs> Bell, one of the lawyers who's like a superstar. Yeah. Uh, Bradley, we'll get back to you. Yeah. 12 year old Bradley. Girl, we're coming we for you. We love yeah. you. Yeah. So he goes through the cell phone records. And we began with by asking for Ms. Mangum's cell phone records. Between 11 11 and 11 39, she made five telephone calls. So what we know is that she's not being gang raped while she's on the telephone. And super cute nerdy neighbor is like he saw the strippers did not even enter the house until midnight. Right. He's like, I it's saw midnight. strippers going into a house in a party that I was not invited to again. It's Tuesday. Yeah. Some of us <laughs> have to go to sleep. <laughs> Read cell phone records. He's on a cell phone from 1206 to 1214. Then there's all this stuff about like he and this guy Rob go to the bank to get cash. There's video of them oh. miles away from the house. During the time that this assault was supposed to be taking Are place. Are you kidding me? It's the most ama- that's the most amazing thing. I And then it gets better. Yeah. It gets so much better. <laughs> you guys, Julian's really excited. This is the shit I like. I, I need every documentary to have a moment like this. I live for it. I'm obsessed with it. So then Colin makes a call at 1222 and another one at 1214. I'm like, these boys are on the phone constantly. Yeah. Uh, but I think they're calling each other. They're calling the lacrosse. I think they're just like, so what uh, the party Where are sucked. there better strippers, you guys? I think basically what they're saying is like, this party kind of sucked. What are you doing? Should we right. call it a night? I think they're, because all these, these calls are kind of quick. Like, yeah. Where, where yeah. are you? Okay, yeah. I'll meet you there. Yeah. And then Dave Evans makes a call at 11.29, and then from 12.34 to 12.50. At 12.26, Crystal makes a call. Who does she call? Does she call 911? Does she call her home telephone number? Help, come get me. Something terrible's happened. She actually calls the voicemail box at her escort service. At 12.46, Reed goes back to his dorm, and we know this 
because there was like a computer footprint logged. Yeah, totally. And I'm like, we're in the future, Duke. <laughs> well, he probably just like scanned in somewhere. He probably just used his ID to scan in somewhere. I know, but it's just, see, I don't know. Did your college not have electricity? <laughs> no. I went to college in 1864. Um, so then we cut to the lawyer who has it all graphed out. Oh my God, it's so beautiful. And he says my favorite line yeah. in the movie. Find me 20 minutes. Find me 10 minutes. Find me where these three young men had the opportunity to commit this crime. It's not there. Find me 20 minutes. Find me 10 minutes. Find me 10. And I'm like, find it. <laughs> oh, I love you. I like, and what's so funny is that super hot husband Mike saw this movie first and was like, you have to watch it. Yeah. And went like, he knows, he knows me very well. And he knows I live for shit like this where he was like, kind of like watching me watch it and like waiting for that. And then like the guy said, find me 20 minutes. And he looked at me and I was like, ah! and then he goes, find me 10 minutes. And I was like, yes. And he's a little smug about it, but he totally gets to be. He's totally allowed. So now, now we get back to 12-year-old Bradley Bannon. Yes. Who's about to save the goddamn day. Because we're getting ready for trial. The lawyers are getting ready to go to court. Yeah. And so Bradley's like, can we talk about the DNA real quick? Like, what, something, why are there two studies? Why, why do both of these studies have two like, completely conflicting information? Findings, right, yeah. So he decides to just like learn about DNA. He goes to Amazon.com. <laughs> he literally gets a book from Amazon.com about DNA. As I was reading that book, I started trying to figure out what all of this data that we had been handed was. I walked in here in the morning and Brad was in the conference room and I said, what are you doing? He said, well, we've got all this DNA and I've ordered this book on DNA and I'm going to go through it and figure out what it is. I said, knock yourself out. And his like his boss is like, I showed up at 7 a.m. He was there. I left at 9 p.m. He was there. The guy, you guys, just think about it. The guy like was in the conference room and like learned DNA. About DNA, I cannot imagine anything worse. And it wasn't like DNA for dummies. Right. It was a real book on DNA. Like think about how dense yeah. that is. And like I know. Th- that kind of book assumed that you know a little bit about science totally. to begin with, which I'm sure he, maybe he did. I don't know. He's a smart guy. Yeah. But um, it wasn't like so. Here's what DNA is. Like no, no, no. Right. You had to kind of know your shit and they find like they find all of this basically exculpatory evidence that was never turned over they had found traces of other men in her on her numerous other men multiple male dna was found that totally excluded the duke lacrosse players including the three indicted players but had not been reported this was not just an inadvertent oversight but in fact was the product of decision-making at some level, either at the lab or the DA's office. So what is really amazing is that they get into court for whatever it is. It's like a discovery phase or whatever. Yeah. And basically, Bradley is armed with this information. Like, you guys kept this DNA information out. And Nifong, the fucker, was, like, ready for that. Mr. Nifong said that the first he had heard of any of this issue with the DNA was when he got our motion a couple of days earlier. Because of what he'd read, he called his expert, and uh, the expert was there in the courtroom, ready to be questioned if we wanted to question him. It was a brilliant move. We hadn't come prepared to cross-examine a DNA expert about DNA. We had no idea he was going to be there. 
so they have this little meeting and it's like, well, we could postpone it, but we really can and shouldn't. And that would really lose the momentum. And uh, they're just like, hey, Brad, you're up. And Bradley literally is like, I don't I, I, I don't <laughs> I don't want to do this. He, he's the one that had like spent those five days in the conference room learning about DNA. Right. And they're like, we have to do this today. You're going to you're going to you're going to question this DNA expert. I said to Joe, I don't I don't want to I don't want to do that. I can't do that. That's when I said to him, Brad, I've been telling you for 10 years that you're an exceptional lawyer. You are different. You are a great lawyer. And you are prepared to do this. You do know it. You don't need any more time. You can do it, and you can do it great, and you will do it great. Right. And even as, as he's telling them, as he's telling us what he told them, he's stuttering. He's like, I don't, I can't, I the don't want to do The thing about this. it is like for five minutes, the whole tone of this movie changes. Yes. And it totally becomes like a hero documentary about this guy and his like quick decision to like, to go ahead and, and question this DNA expert. And he destroys him. One of the lawyers is like, he ate him alive. <laughs> it became fairly clear about 10 or 15 minutes into it that the expert realized that Brad knew what the hell he was talking about. I said, now I want you to go to that chart, and I want you to tell me, is there multiple male DNA on there? there yes, there are. Does it not match anybody on the Duke lacrosse team? That's correct. Was it not included in your report? Yes. Yeah, so, um, yes. He just ate me hand alive. And now, so Bradley's <laughs> like, it's one of those sports movie moments. I'm like, no, it's the perm moment from Legally Blonde. <laughs> That's what the moment is, where it's like, so you were in the shower? So you were in the shower. Yes, she was in the shower. And, like, that's what it is. It was your Elle Woods moment. It wasn't any, it totally like, sports was. movie, whatever. But, so the big dun-dun-dun the big moment is when Cooney, the other lawyer, steps up. Cooney phrases the perfect question. He asks Mahan, uh, have you entered into an intentional agreement with a representative of the state of North Carolina, Nifon, not to report all of the test results? There's only one answer to this question. And that answer being yes, because we did not report the reference profiles of those specimens, and we did talk about not reporting those. Did you and the DA conspire, basically, to not reveal this this exculpatory information? Right. And he has to say yes. Yeah. And it's like the courtroom explodes. People are cheering. Right. It was a remarkable moment uh, when he finally said what we knew had happened. The case had imploded at that point. And they're talking about, like, looking over at Nifong and he's got his head in his hands. Yeah, like, this is, the, like, the guy who he brought in as, like, the whole, like, fuck you guys yeah. is the one who brought him totally. down. Totally, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. So, it's so, oh, I genius. live for this shit. Yeah. Oh, it's my favorite. So now, of course, the press is going insane, and there's all this, like, footage of the press being like, I wonder how it got to this point. You! Right. <laughs> you brought it here by not investigating anything right. at all. It was a tragedy. It was a journalistic tragedy to see how the best journalists in America could be so wrong about something. There are no Edward R. Murrows left in, in media. They don't exist. The Walter Cronkites are gone. They didn't really care what the truth was. Can we just just talk about Nifong real quick, just to be done with him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so he fi- the bar files charges against Mike Nifong. He's disbarred, but he only serves one day in prison. Yeah. 
I know. They go out of their way to say that the worst punishment you can give a lawyer is to disbar him. And it's like, then we find out later, like, there were other cases that he, like, withheld evidence. And now they're, they want all of his prosecutions reopened and looked at all over again. This guy is corrupt from head to toe. Yeah, the Innocence Project is, like, trying yeah. to get all of his cases open because there was something that happened, like, a guy who was in prison for 30 years. Like, right. they redid the DNA and they were like, excuse me. Right. Like, what is happening? Why doesn't anybody ask any questions in this I movie? Know. I don't understand. <laughs> And then, you know, in the end, we see, we learn a little bit more about Crystal. We see Crystal for the first time, really. Like, we see her actually talk. Hi. My name is Crystal Gail Mangum. Many people have tried to use my name and my past to intimidate me, to make me believe that I was a nobody. The Duke lacrosse case will never define who I am. So here's the thing about Crystal. She retracts her whole statement. Yeah. Um, the prosecution decides not to press charges on her because the boys and the family is just like, can we just be done with this? Like, we want to get back to our lives. They yeah. could press charges against her, but they decided not to and to just let it go. And she and she's actually in prison now for killing her boyfriend. <laughs> Which just comes out of nowhere. It's like that on-screen text and you're like, I'm wait, sorry, wait, what? <laughs> So she's in prison for that. She also had attempted to murder her previous boyfriend. Right. Crystal. She has some uh, child abuse charges and neglect. And um, yeah, they are, they're friends and family of her saying that she has a lot of mental health issues. Yeah. She's just not, uh, she's not well. But what, like accusing people of that is fucking garbage. It's garbage. I'm just telling you. And so is killing somebody. Yeah. <laughs> and then attempting to kill somebody and also ignoring your kids. Like, if we're just looking at the facts here, there's a lot of bad shit. A lot of stuff in the con column. <laughs> <sighs> and then it just like the movie ends ends with like the actual statement of innocence that the family felt that they needed to to really clear the boys' names. Right. And now they like they're advocates for the Innocence Project. Right. And uh, the, the Durham police like wouldn't be interviewed. Duke wouldn't be interviewed. I was like, who did you actually interview for this? The boys wouldn't be interviewed. Crystal was totally willing to be, but <laughs> of course. But everyone in the prison system was like, no. No girl. Uh no. <laughs> Oh, girl, we got through it. We did it. That was a long one. Yeah, you know, yeah. This is, it's hard. I, yeah. When we were texting about it today, there's a lot of bullshit. But like I said before, it just, this is the worst because it makes it harder for people who actually, actually have, have been assaulted. Exactly. And it's tough because you do want to believe the people, like you were saying. Yeah. And when it makes so, it like makes sense in a weird way that these three privileged dudes, whatever, but like, oh, I know. This really happens and it's hard for us to come forward when it really does. So like, please don't lie about it. Yeah, please don't lie about sexual assault. Please you guys. don't lie about it. Thank you. Also, like, clean your back bathroom and don't be douchebags <laughs> like it is you know we all have responsibilities here <laughs> um you guys don't forget to check out our patreon feed we're doing serial episode by episode we're on to episode three bonkers oh my god a uh, bunch of full bonus episodes mini episodes the whole works join us there and don't forget we're taking next week off to get ready for crime con 2018 for those of you who will be there we'll see you there and for anybody in the nashville area whether you're attending crime con or not we're doing that meetup at Fuse Bar, which is in the Opryland Hotel where the convention is taking place on Friday night, May 3rd, and we'd love to see you there. Check out our other podcast, my so-called podcast. Yes. Um, and next we're doing, oh my God, I'm so excited. We're doing a movie called Author, the JT Leroy story. You guys watch this documentary. It is crazy. Even people who who feel like they don't have to, you think that yeah, they should yeah, still yeah. watch if, it if like, just, just like, for fun? If you just want to watch a fun documentary about some crazy shit that happened, watch this. It's Great. so good. Winona Ryder makes an appearance. Just you guys, just do it. Free. Winona. <laughs> yes. I love um, 
Winona. Girl, where can they find us? At True Crime Obsessed. No ED on the Twitter and truecrimeobsessed.com. You can get our calendar, all the episodes, all good stuff. Uh, where can they find you? At Jillian with a G. Uh, I'm at Patrick Hines uh, on the Twitter and at Patrick Hines underscore on the Instagram. And follow True Crime Obsessed podcast on Instagram. You guys, I'm going to be all over it on CrimeCon. Go yes. to like the little thing in the top for the Insta stories and Insta Live. We're going to be all over it's it. It's going to be, you guys, we're going to be so ridiculous. Like from the car ride to the airport. Yeah. I'm telling you from the beginning. <laughs> Stay tuned for our hilarious outtakes. Tim, 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 Tim. Our palate cleanser this week is going to be from um, the London cast recording of American Psycho. They, oh. didn't, they didn't make one for New York. It didn't last very long. It was, I'm, not, I'm saying no shade. I know, just, I know. just facts. <laughs> like, it just didn't. But you loved it, and I, I hate know. that you loved it, and it didn't last very I long. I know. And uh, then stay tuned for our amazing outtakes. And you guys look for our extended outtakes on Patreon. Yes. Okay, bye. Bye. J.T. Leroy is a 21-year-old writer with two books of fiction based on his experiences as the son of a truck stop prostitute. Hi, I'm J.T. Jeremiah Terminator Leroy. There's not a lot of discovery in publishing. William Burroughs, Janae, Allen Ginsberg, to hear a new voice was exciting. He doesn't like to show his face to the press. JT, I just thank you from the bottom of my heart. Some people think that JT Leroy might not really exist. My name's Laura Albert, and I am the writer, JT Leroy. I felt like a misfit. I didn't want to write as myself. JT Leroy was created from my dream. Blonde-haired, blue-eyed boy, turning tricks, living on the street. The books were taking off. JT had to walk amongst us. Savannah was over at my house, and I said, you look like JT Leroy. You wear the sunglasses, a blonde wig. It was like Frankenstein, let there be life. JT Leroy is a literary it boy. It was a revolving door of celebrities. We see Bono giving JT industry advice. Suddenly, JT is the go-to person for the fashion world. I showed just enough to make them interested. The media was tugging pretty hard at the curtain. It turns out he may not be a he and may not even exist. People are calling me. I don't know if this thing is bad or not. What the heck is going on? Hey, I really need to talk to you. I didn't know how to shut it down. There's a helicopter It feels like the whole world is watching. We're not filming that, right? Suddenly, I got a call. Warren St. John from the New York Times. He says, I'm going to get you. He knows everything. There is a huge tornado that's about to hit. All the headlines are saying the biggest literary hoax of our time. It is not a hoax. I'm just saying the the world of exotic dancing in general. Yeah, like it's, it's dicey. It's, not, guys. it's dicey. Let's yeah. cut all of this out. <laughs> Um, <laughs> it's going to be a three-minute episode. Jackie Brown. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Her name is fucking Jackie Brown. She's like, he doesn't have any idea how to run a campaign. <laughs> God. Um, Wait, which one of us is going to get it Dorsey's. Dorcia. Dorcia. Is it Dorcia? It's Dorcia. <laughs> right? Dorcia. Yeah, I think it's Dorcia. Oh, my God. Yeah. Dorcia. 
the lawn mode and all the press is really like making us not look as beautiful. So here's what they do. They make the lawn mode. I was like, what did she say? Yeah, like it's the beautiful green campus. <laughs> Whatever. Um, and it's so funny, this woman, like she looks like she's garbage. <laughs> I'm saying it. Okay, you know when you guys do a lineup, like you do a lineup, like every like anyone does that. I'm in jail all the time. All the time, you guys. I'm yeah. constantly being called in. This is a big birthday for Patrick Courtney, so thank you for helping me co-host. Anything for you, Evelyn. You look to die for. Thank you, Courtney. I want black and charred. Mahi, mahi.